morning. morning. I'm not used to this anymore. Um, if you have not been seeing me a lot, uh, I have been really busy um, doing the assignment that uh, CCF has given me, which is to um, really develop disciple leaders in different parts of North America so that more CCF movements like this will, um, will be born. And um, today, we already have uh, four CCF satellites, okay? And there are more coming, okay? In a span of one year and a half. That's amazing. Even I myself, I'm floored with the idea, like, God, this must be right because you are doing something right in our midst. You know, you pray for them. We have CCF uh, Vancouver already. We have CCF Toronto. We already had CCF Prince Albert then. And um, uh, soon, believe me, soon, in a matter of maybe four or five months, we will have CCF Edmonton. And CCF Maui is now a house church. And um, believe me, all of these things came to be with me just staying in LA. You think I'm traveling around and I'm going all over the place? No, because Pastor Peter never gave me any money to travel anyway. <laughs> so I'm just doing all of this long distance and God has been faithful. And believe me, I am a changed man because of that. My wife and I, um, you, can ask, you can talk to my wife. Um, I have been changed. I've been a pastor for a long time, but I've seen myself evolve and change to become a better person because what, what I am doing right now. And, and uh, every time I'll be in the pulpit, you will notice that I will be speaking over and over again of the passion that God has laid in my heart. I've seen so much change right before me, and I really believe that there is something that we are doing right now, my wife and I, that I would like you, you know, CCF LA, because I really, I really am praying that CCF LA will be the center of the very movement of a disciple-making movement here in America. And I really believe that we have to start seeing what God has laid upon us. And that's why every time you see me in the pulpit, I'm going to be single-minded, makulit, and just saying one word, discipleship. So this morning, I just would like to uh, greet you again, happy fourth. I know we are in the series of Genesis, right? Um, we've started, Pastor Insong um, uh, decided to go through a series of Genesis in the same way that CCF Maine had that maybe a year ago, but we're going to do the same thing. So if you remember, um, Genesis is so foundational and it's very important. But today, since it is July 4 or 5 or the Independence Weekend, so to speak, I, I just would like us to uh, talk about something about our country. You know, um, I, I, I'd like to share with you some facts, historical facts about our country, America. I know most of us came from the Philippines, but we are now citizens of this country, and the, we, are, we are sworn allegiance to serve this country. And many of us will probably die here already, right? Because you've learned to love this country. And there are certain things that we need to know about this country historical facts that happened before that are no longer being talked about today. I really believe the schools, the government, and all of the other institutions are not going to talk about this anymore. 
And that's why I think, I really believe that the church, the message at the pulpit should be the right venue to hear this truth about this country. And the sooner we learn about this, the more I think God will stir our hearts to do something different from what we are doing constantly as Christians. You know, I honestly believe if as Christians we keep doing over and over again what we are doing, nothing's going to change. Did you hear me? If we just keep doing and doing over and over again, nothing's going to change. But if we see what's going on and, and be steered to ask the question, why on earth is this happening? And then understand why this is happening, then I think as a body, we will come together and decide, hey, enough is enough. Let's do what needs to be done. Am I making sense? So this morning, I'm going to talk about some historical truth about our country. It's very important. And like I said, um, uh, in, 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 um, in my future messages, I'm going to talk about my passion. And my passion is about MOA discipleship. MOA? Mall of Asia? No, that's actually a TTTOA discipleship. I'd like to put this across so that people will think. It is the kind of discipleship that I am committed to. It's intentional. It's the discipleship that is mentioned here in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It is teaching them to obey all discipleship. It's teaching them to obey all discipleship. And that's going to be my passion. So every time Pastor Song will give me the chance to speak here, guys, forgive me, indulge me. Until you get this message, I'm not going to stop talking. Because I really believe in my heart, after this message, this is what we need to address what's going on with America. Independence Day, it's about living free, right? It's about living free. And, you know, it has been how many years since 1776 has America been living free? Almost 250 years. 239 years, we became free and we became independent, governing and ruling ourselves. And actually, America started very well when that happened. It started so well. No better place to start than being a nation under God. We all started right. A nation under God. Wow. This country that we lived in started 239 years ago. And our founder said, this is going to be a country under one God. It was very, very, very good. And let me share with you, um, you know, the basis for why they say that. Psalm 33 verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. You know, 239 years ago, started the right foundation for this country. And that's why America is so blessed. That's why you came here. People were so attracted to the United States because here is the land of blessing, the land of the free, the land flowing with milk and honey. And it's true. It started that way because they started right. Our founding fathers started right under one nation. And it's biblical. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. You know, let me give you an idea of how America was in those days, okay? Look at, look at real announcements in the early days of Christian America. And I want you to contrast this 
with what you hear today. All right? Real announcements in early days of Christian America. Look at this. Number one, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court has issued this statement. Divine providence, meaning that's God, has given to our people the choice of the rulers. It is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christian for their rulers. Wow. Yeah, this is letter John Murray, October 12, 1816. Early days. Announcement number two. So, what happened? It jumped to number three. I'll go to number two first, okay? Inquiries by our reporters reveal that almost every state legislature has now passed a law requiring all elected officials to take this oath. What's the oath? If you're the official elected, I do profess faith in God, the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ, His only Son, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures of the Old and the New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. How foundational is that? Now, at announcement number three, I'll go back to it. Legislation was passed today in Congress to affirm that Congress of the United States approves and recommends the Holy Bible for use in the school. Aha, this was, this was a long time ago. Now what do you have? No prayer, no Bible, no nothing. What's happening, right? So, let me give you a picture of our founding fathers. Let me give you historical facts about the founding fathers of America. Because, because of them, that's the way America has been. And I want you to match that with who we have today there in Washington, the people gathered. Number one, they were people who came to America looking for religious freedom. They wanted to worship the true God of the Bible. Because where they came from, they were repressed, and that's why they came here, because they wanted to worship the true God. These are the people who founded America. Number two, they had strong desire to be pleasing to God and to do His will. Wow, aren't you glad to have leaders like this, you know, during that time? Number three, they were men and women who acknowledged God's supreme rule over men and nation. In other words, guys, America was under one God and they acknowledged it. And they were not going anywhere without having God at the helm. And that's why I'm not surprised that America thereafter was blessed. So blessed. So blessed, America the beautiful. We sing this song. Many people are so proud because it was based on truth, based on actual reality of what America has been. Amazing, right? And there was, there came, thereafter the Industrial Revolution came. And you know, the Industrial Revolution to me is a picture of saluting America's greatness. And you know, it became the greatest country in the world, world's highest standard of living, the USA. There is no other way than the American way, as they say. And we're all proud to be Americans. When I got my blue passport, I was very proud. Weren't you? You know, every time I go to the immigration, I hand my blue passport. Then he looks at me in the face. You don't look American. That's, a, that's another story. <laughs> That's another story, right? And the standard of living is amazing. You guys are experiencing this, but this was before. And of course, you can see traces of it today. And in America, still is and has been the greatest military power that ever lived. Why do you think that happened? Because our founding fathers committed to what is 
the foundation of a great nation. One nation under God. But something happened over time, guys. Something happened. The freedom that we all fought for, those founding fathers fought for, was abused in the name of human rights to be free. Okay? This is very subtle. You might, you might say, oh, nothing wrong with that, Pastor Dan. I'd like to be free. But be careful. The enemy has used this to change the whole scenario. The freedom that was enjoyed was abused in the name of human rights. I am human. I am from America. I need to be free to do what I can do and I want to do. Period. No one will question that. Not even God can question that. Wow, amazing. I am free to choose what is good for me became the slogan. Thus, right versus wrong became relative. Right has become whatever is good for me, period. If it's good for me, it's right. Pastor Song talked about this last week, right? So selfish, so proud. Great morality led to tolerance and sin. Remember the sins of the 60s? I'm just talking of the 60s. Remember, 239 years ago, we started well. Everything was so good. But because of the pride and the selfishness of people to become free and to insist on what they want as right, the sins of the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s came about. The 60s permissiveness. This is where I think uh, Val and myself and Insong are part of. The Hiti generation, okay? Wow. Okay, we did take a bath then, okay? Uh, Susan is also part of that, so. And Romy, okay? Free love! Make love, not war! Rebellion, no prayer in school. The 70s, drugs, return to cultism. You know the story of Manson and Jim Jones. The 80s, plague, political corruption, dissolution of the family. I, I'm showing you the, the progression of depravity here, okay? And I want you to see that it was not like 239 years ago when this country started. Something, folks, is happening. And like I said, if we keep doing what we're doing and not address this, nothing is going to change. The trend will continue, and the country that we love will soon be nothing. And I'm steering you to be uncomfortable. Because if you are uncomfortable, I think you will be with us to do something about what we're facing. Forgive me, it's my passion. The 90s murder, really? Every man for himself. Our babies killing babies. You know, our children, when they grew up, they started to support abortion. Our own babies are killing their own babies. Wow. And that's still happening now. How many abortion clinics do you see thriving all over the place? Our youth showing no respect for God and human life. I'm so glad our young people are up there in the mountains. Pastor Song, thank you for bringing them there. Seriously, give God a glory. You know, I think CCF is doing it right. We're focusing on the young people. But you see, those young people 
need a lot of your support as parents. By the way, those parents are not here. Where are they? They're enjoying, right? They're swimming, right? When, they're, when their children are attending the Bible, they're swimming. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, the young people are the critical thing of the future. Without the young people, believe me, this country will, the church, the nation will disappear. And I'm so glad that our children are being educated towards the right thing about God and their priorities in life. And the 20s, the 2000s permissive. I, I wanted to call it the 20s, but it's paurong. So I said 2000 permissiveness. Marijuana legalized. Marijuana. Meron ba dyan? Gay pastors and priests okayed by the churches. Same-sex marriage legalized. What's going on? You know what? I see an angry God. He's just quiet. But please, we keep singing about God's grace, God's love. God is so loving and He's going to, to ignore your sins because of His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, that's true. But guys, there is an angry God at the same time. Don't you underestimate that. An angry God. And you know, the clear rising moral decline in my opinion, you may disagree with me on this one, is an angry God's judgment upon a stubborn, sinful, disobedient people that the nation of the earth or even the United States has become. I used to believe, you know, when I was uh, as a pastor because of the, you know, uh, of the Bible studies that I, we were teaching, I used to believe that God's judgment will come only when you die and when you are sent to hell as a sinner. I used to believe that God's judgment will happen only at the end of our lives. Wrong! I never realized that God's judgment is already happening here and now to the sinful people. Really? Really? Yeah. Pastor In Song shared about this. People no longer honor God. What does God do as a result? Romans 1.21 And I'd like you to open your eyes to this. Just because, you're, just because they're alive now and they're evil, uh, because many of us are saying, how come those people are enjoying? You know, evil people are, are so blessed. They're, so, they're enjoying whatever they're enjoying while the, the godly people are suffering. And, and, and so, it's so KJ to become, to become a Christian. You, you tend to envy the, 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 the evil people. No, don't. Because God is already judging the evil people as we speak. Look at what the Bible is saying. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see what God does to the people who are really, really, really stubborn? God will darken their, heart, their hearts even more. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible men and of birds and of four-footed animals, crawling creatures. They decided to worship and honor the created things rather than God. You know, you may, you may say, I'm not guilty of that. I don't worship created things. Oh yeah? How much time do you spend time on your phone? On your Facebook? How much time on the television? These are all created things. You may not know it, but you're worshiping them, aren't you? You know, so subtle. So subtle. Sorry. Therefore, God, what did God do? This is the judgment of God. They're still alive, but they're being judged already. God gave them over in their lust of their hearts to impurity 
so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Make no mistake about it, God is no longer God today for most Americans. In those days, God was really God. They honored God. They would not move without God being considered. But today, for most Americans who are free to do what they want, I think God has been marginalized because God is no longer God today. The free Americans, the free American who is free to do what he or she wants has become the God adored and worshiped by so many. Oh, here in America, you can do whatever you like. You don't have to subject yourself to God. This is a free country. Wow, many people like that, right? But they don't know what they're getting themselves into. And you know what God will do to them? God will even darken them. And you'd say, kawawa naman sila. Yes, talagang kawawa sila. That's why I, we all need to wake up because we guys have to do something about them because it affects us. We live in the same country. Don't you think God will eventually judge this country where most Christians are? I'm sure. Remember was the message of uh, Pastor Song last week? If there are only five Christians in this nation, God will not judge this nation. That's still true. But, you know, there is a limit. There's a breaking point, guys. God is also expecting us to do something and not just sit. You know, I used to challenge a lot of people and say, Hey, you know, aren't you bothered with what's going on with, uh, with this uh, same-sex marriage? No. God is in control. Uh, we, will, we will thrive and we will win in the end anyway. I'm kind of bothered by that reply, aren't you? It's true. God will prevail and God will be the winner. We will be the winner in the end. But does that mean that we're not going to do anything about it today? Seriously. You know, because we, we, we emphasize so much grace. Oh, God will take care of us. Oh, God is... I'm, I'm not questioning that at all. But don't you think God is asking us to do something about it? At least stand up and say, Hey, you know, maybe it's time to rethink this and let's do something about this. Rather than say, it's okay, it's okay, God is in control. God is in control. God has been marginalized, taken out of the government, schools, and workplace and homes. That's what's happening today. Look at these statistics again. Americans with no religious affili affiliations. Across the board are all the age groups. And you know, if you go from 2007 to 2014, you will see the numbers just going up. Right? Meaning across all age groups, the number of people who are giving up their faith and their God is rising. And it's highest among the young people. And again, I'm so happy that our young people are there because they're going to do something about this if we don't do anything about it. And that's why discipleship is very important. You parents, if you attend to what your children are developing into, believe me, we are doing what God wants us to do to save this country. I think this is what has become America today. Not America under one God, but America, one nation against God. Whether you like it or not, the Christians are becoming a minority. I will repeat, we are becoming a minority. If we are the minority, then it's going to be a nation against God, not a nation under God. 
In 239 years ago, it was the opposite. That's why it was one nation under God. But today, because of what's happening and the facts are right staring at us, I think we have a nation against God, whether you like it or not as Christians. What are you going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? You know, Hardy, what are you going to do about that? A proud America is emerging, I believe, where God is no longer Elohim. Where the free Americans are the gods who call the shots. Where God is not honored and obeyed. Where people are no longer awed by God. Genesis chapter 1. Stand in awe of God. Honor God because he created everything. Today, because of the free Americans, I don't think that's happening, folks. You may disagree with me. You can do your own research, but I believe that this is what's happening to us. So I'm so sad for my brother Val. He came to America thinking that America... I'm just kidding, bro. We need you here, okay? We need you here, right? Because of what's happening, therefore, the cry of Jeremiah. This is the cry of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is finished. The summer is over. And we are not saved. This is the cry of Jeremiah for Israel then. God's chosen people. What happened? The Israelites what? Became disobedient too. Right? They, they rebelled. They worshiped other gods. You know, they, every time they went into a, a, their own place, they saw other nation and they became part of that nation and they worshiped other gods. And that's why God started to judge the nation of Israel. And Jeremiah was crying, the harvest is finished. The summer is over. We are not saved. I weep for the hurt of my people. I stand amazed, silent, dumb with grief. Is there no medicine for Gilead? And I replace that with America. Is there no physician there? Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he help? You know, Jeremiah was crying to God, God, what are you doing? You're forsaking your people. And I think this is going to be the cry of most Christians today if we are aware of it. God, what's happening to my nation? The nation that started so strong 239 years ago is now one nation under, against God. And the people are, the younger people are giving up. There, there's, there's a lot of depravity left and right. And there seems to be no, no control. Why doesn't he help? Here's what happened. The Lord speaks. Again, this is what happened. He's trying to, God is trying to tell Jeremiah, here's what happened. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. This is God talking, okay? Listen to the weeping of my people all across the land. Where is the Lord, they ask. Has God deserted us? And look at God's answer. Oh, why have they angered me with their carved idols and strange evil rites? The Lord replies. And you might say, Pastor, that doesn't apply to us. We don't have any carved idols and strange evil rites. Yeah, right. I think we do. They've changed forms. And we are guilty of this. What happened? It appears to me that God is turning away and have shut the heavens so there is no rain. 
because of America's idolatry that deeply pains him. Therefore, my question is this. Today is the 4th of July. Are we really free? Are we really free? No, we're not. The consequences of our rebellion in the name of freedom has ruined our society and moral decay is taking its toll on our families. And if we are suffering from the consequences of what our forefathers, the, 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 the new generation are doing, then we're not free. We're also subject to the same punishment and consequences that they are facing. The enemies of the state are mounting and gaining grounds even in our homeland. What was the rumor over the weekend on the July 4th? Wasn't there threats of what? Bombing again? You know, Pastor Insong showed us a lot of, of, of pictures about people being killed, Christians being massacred in different places of the world. The enemies of the state are mounting. And if we as Christians are just, okay lang, a stroll, stroll lang, I think there is something wrong. We have to be aware that we are threatened already. And there is something that needs to be done. To me, America is sick, very sick. Sure, we may not see this physically. I was in Greece. And they say that Greece is bankrupt? No. Parties all over the place. You know, they don't know what bankrupt means. It's, it's still the same. You know, the word bankrupt is only for governments. But for people? No. They just keep doing what they're doing. They're happy. In fact, America is sick and we don't know it. You know, we just don't know it. Because we are still, we still have our homes, we have our cars, we're enjoying good jobs and everything. But you know, I'm talking about the moral decay happening right now. And it's taking its toll upon us. You know, right there, that's Uncle Sam being revived. Okay. So many doctors. I see Paula there. I see, you know, right there. Okay. Sick is not being free, is it? If you're sick, are you free, really? You, know, may, you may have all the money in the world if you're sick. You're not free because you can't do what you want to do. And that's what I want to submit to you. We are not really free. We are scattered and divided, as a matter of fact. America is really splintered now, and we don't know it. Many will not admit it. Of course, the radical left and, you know, will say, no, we're okay. You guys have problems, okay? We are a nation who has opposed and angered God, and God is shutting the heavens so there is no rain. I really believe. All seems headed towards gloom and doom. And you might say, oh, pastor, that's good because the end is coming and Christ is coming soon. I like that. You know, sometimes I'm bothered by that reply. You know, yeah, Jesus will come. He will, he will rule. But in the meantime, what do we do? Wait? I think, folks, God wants us to do something in the middle and in between. We need to be united as Christians to bring about a Christian revival to heal our nation and bring back God's presence and rest in our land. Please say amen to that. Amen. You know, I think we need to understand. You know, uh, what, what do we do to bring healing upon sick America? To break free from the curse and consequences of idolatry. I really believe we can do something. Do you think we can make a difference? You know, if, if the majority of the population in the U.S. are not doing anything, what can you do? Really? You know, if that's going to be our mindset, then, wow, 
Kawawa naman tayo. But if we believe that we can do something even as a small church right now, right now, people who believe in the Lord, people who are committed to change our families and our nation, then I think we can make a difference. We can free ourselves of the curse of idolatry. Let's make America really free. Wow, high sounding. You know, I'm not going to go and say, let's revolt and give, get all of those guns. No, I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to say that. Let's just heed God's solution. God has been telling us a solution ever since, but many of us have failed to see it. And every time I stand in this pulpit, I will show you what God's solution is. And I will try to force everyone to say, this is God's solution and let's start to do something about it. Because otherwise, we're headed to where we ought to end. Gloom and doom. Here's God's solution. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 15. If I shut, look, this is God saying. God is talking. If I shut the heaven so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among people, it is God saying this. If God says, if I shut the heavens, if I send the locusts, if I send pestilence, can God do this? Yes or no? And as a matter of fact, God has been doing it. Right now, we may not be, able, be even able to accept it, but that's exactly what he's doing. And he's giving a hypothetical situation, but in this case, it is no longer hypothetical, but it's true. But he's, note, note, he said, if I do this, if I do this, then the solution. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Wow, I like that. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And look at the promise. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. You know, I, I am so excited because verse 15 is a picture of God's manifest presence. I don't know with you, but if you've been praying and God doesn't seem to be there and it's not answering your prayers, which are really good and for yourself, his eyes are close to you and his ears are not attentive, there is something wrong. But if he says, now my eyes will be attentive, will be open, and my ears attentive to you, you know what? I call that, verse 15 is actually the manifest abiding presence of God offered to the humble. Did you get me? Look at the prayer again, okay? He says, my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What happens? I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land, and my eyes and my ears will be attentive. I really like that. Would you like, would you like the eyes of God focused on you and his ears attentive? Say yes. yes. My goodness, do you know what the prerequisite is? The prerequisite is not going to a Bible study. The prerequisite is not just going to church and hear the message on Sunday and give your tithes. No, he wants you to become humble people. Humble people. And I'd like you to ask the question, how on earth can we become humble? What do we do to bring healing? What do we do to bring healing upon sick America? To break free from the curse and consequences of idolatry. Let's make America really free to rest upon God's favor and blessing 
and here is my kakulitan. Lalabas na naman. Let us make America humble. Let's make disciples. Only one heard it. Okay. God said, if this nation will humble themselves, He will heal the nation. And He will be present right in our midst. So, how do we bring healing to America? Let's make America humble. Because America has grown proud and selfish. How do we do that? <laughs> Let's make disciples. Please. Please. Christians. Are we Christians? Oh, you're not sure. Are we Christians? Yes. Then, people of God. You're people of God. Let us be humble, first, foremost, and last. Heed God's formula for healing this land. Second Chronicles 7.13 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. You know, I, 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 I ask God, God, why did you require humility? Why? Ah, because humble people will never pray. Sorry, uh, proud people will never pray, but humble people will pray. Humble people will turn from their wicked ways. The people who are stubborn are proud people. Agree? The people who will never change are proud people because they believe they're doing what's right. And that's why God said, if my people, my people, Christians, will humble themselves. What is God saying? Even his people have become proud. And that's why we need to do something about it. Because if the moment you realize that humility is the beginning of everything, then you will pray. Then you will turn from your wicked ways. But why humble of all things? Why is it about, what is it about humility that God specifically requires it above all the other Christian um, qualities? Why not, why not be loving? Why not be, be, be faithful? Why not, why not be merciful, be gracious, be, be holy? You know, God could not have made a mistake. He would have put that, but he said, be humble. He said it. If my people will humble themselves. He didn't say, if my people will be faithful. If my people will be holy. No, he said, if my people will be humble. What is it about humility that God specifically requires it above all other Christian qualities? Guys, because humility is the acid test of being a Christian who is like Christ. I will repeat, unless you're humble, don't tell me you're Christ-like. And humility is so hard to see. Many people say they're humble. They'll, they'll get mad if you tell them they're proud. You know, pride, pride is like B.O. You don't know unless people tell you. And when they tell you, you get mad. Huh. Humility is the acid test of being a true Christian. Humility is Christ-likeness. That's why. You know what God said? If my people will be like my son, and the basic characteristic of his son is humility. I will keep saying this over and over again until I die. And if there's one thing that we Christians ought to grow in, it is humility and Christ-likeness. Because humility equals Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness equals humility. You can turn it over and over again. It's one and the same. And Christ-likeness, by the way, make no mistake about this, is God's ultimate will and purpose for you. Really? I keep asking people, why did God save you? Uh, 
bring me to heaven. Very good. What do you do in the meantime? Wait until heaven. <laughs> you know why, guys? Unless you know the reason why God saved you, you will not be the kind of Christians that will make a difference in our society. You know what the reason why God saved you? Romans 8.29. If I were you, write this down. Meditate on this. Study this. And ask yourself the question, is God's purpose and will for my life as a Christian really happening? What did he say? For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The reason why he chose you, he picked you from all of the other billions of people to save you, to make you part of the eternal kingdom in the, in the days to come, to enjoy his presence and glorify him, was not just to be there at the end of the time, but rather what? To become like his son, Jesus Christ. To be conformed into the image and likeness of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren can you the picture christianity is there is christ kuya and there's all of us like him but what is he like you know what's he like humble one word let's keep christianity simple be christ-like be humble and this is where i repeat my favorite passage Philippians 2 3 to 8 I've asked some of you to memorize this and I'm sure you may probably have been doing it for a while but my wife and I we recite this every day we have no choice because we're telling people to recite this every day that's why we recite this every day this is Christ likeness and if you understand what Christ likeness is and what humility is believe me you're moving in the right direction to humble America because humbling America starts with us amen so let's read this together. Do nothing. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of bond servant, and being made in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know, if you, if you, if you dig the treasures in this passage, and if you try to live it, and see that this is all that we need to be, day after day, and if we are committed to each other in terms of discipleship to see to it that we are all growing day by day to become selfless and humble like Christ. Trust me, God will hear from heaven. His ears will be attentive and His divine manifest presence will be with us because He promised that. But look, this is hard. For most people, it's even impossible. You know? This is impossible. You know, even in the golf course, I try to disciple people. First, I beat them. <laughs> I get their money and then disciple them so that they will not feel bad. Okay? But every once in a while, they beat us. Yesterday, we were beaten black and blue. But these are the very people who are expressing their concerns in their lives. They're saying, Pastor, ang hirap. Napakahirap mag, maging self, maging humble. Masakit. 
meron kang gustong gawin, hindi mo magawa. Yung, yung pinapagawa ni God, opposite sa gusto ko. How are we gonna do this? I said, that's why, die to yourself. Even if the other person is behaving in the most ridiculous and Christ-like way, you have to be Christ-like yourself. Then, palo na. Now, humility is the key to unity. If you take a look at verse 1 and 2, preceding 3 and 8, okay, this is what the Bible is saying. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, look at this, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Guys, do you want America to be one and united? Guys, do you want your family to become one and united? Do you want your children to be one with you? We have a, uh, do, you have, do you want CCF to be united? Do you want your families to be united? The formula is Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did he do? He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Do that, and you will see unity in your family. Practice that on a day-to-day -day basis. Forget about the rest. Because believe me, once a person is humble, sin is overcome. Because the root of sin is pride, which is the opposite of humility. So simple. And I, when I discovered this, I said, God, this is it. I'm going to commit my life teaching people how to grow Christ-like and how to become humble even if I don't do anything else anymore in my life. Because this is it. A person will change only when he becomes humble in the power of the Holy Spirit and we, when, when he understands that it is God's ultimate purpose for us. Why not? Look at this. The God-man Jesus, oops, the God-man Jesus was the embodiment of humility. You know, Jesus came for the purpose of embodying humility. I realize that. Really? You know, he didn't come to rule over men just per se. No, he came as a man to show man that he is the son of God, yet he is the most humble person who ever lived. Look at this. Jesus claimed, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He said, for I am gentle and humble in heart. He didn't say, Oi, ala ko ng Diyos, ha? Bida ko. Slave kita. Makinig ka. No, he didn't say that. He said, Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, every time you see the word humble, there's rest. Humble, rest. You know why? Because humility guarantees the presence of God, and the presence of God guarantees rest. Every time I see that, I said, oh, wow. And then look at the language of Jesus. If you take a look at all of the words that Jesus said most of the time, he, he will hear this, not my will, but my Father's will. So humble. Edito, that's my right. I deserve this. How dare you? I'll sue you. Okay. You know, those are not the language of Jesus. 
Jesus said, not my will, but my Father's will. Anything that God dictates, I will do. My will, go down. God's will, up. Sorry. Humility is the beginning of obedience. And the language of love of God is obedience. Don't tell me you love God if you don't obey God. And you cannot obey God unless you are humble. No wonder, no wonder, God said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Because if you observe all, regardless of how you feel impossible that is, you prove to God that you love God. And believe me, you cannot obey all unless you are humble. Does that make sense to you? Obedience to God begins with humility. Thus, thus, I like this, the many benefits of being humble. I am trying to memorize all of this because I'm claiming them, and I hope you do claim them too. Humility, you know, God, to God, humility is so important. He promises loads and loads of benefits and blessings that comes with it. 1 Peter 5, 5-7, All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. See that? My wife's name is Grace. Why do you think God gave her to me? I'm so proud, right? Joke, joke. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know? You know how you can cast all of your care? How many of you have cares today in this world? How many of you are worried about andami, you know? Beb, ambilis ka agad, we have so many cares. You know, what is the key for God to take care of all of your cares? Be humble. Isaiah 66 verse 2. For my hand made all these things. God is talking. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. Remember God? God is so powerful, He can do anything with His hand. And yet, look what He said. But to this one, I will look to Him who is humble. To the contrite spirit and to the one who trembles at my word. You, don't, you will not tremble at, your, at the word of God if you're proud, guys. But if you're humble, mm, God says, you have my attention. Speak. Speak. Artie, speak. You have my attention. Lord, beamer, please, beamer. Okay? okay? You know why he got his beamer? Humble. No, rich. Hey, thank you for serving us, okay? The country. Another one, Proverbs 22, 4. I really like this. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Guys, you came to America looking for riches, honor, and life, right? Why are you working so hard? Why do you work 25 hours a day. Right? To look for money, riches. You want to be recognized. Right? You want to have a long life to be healthy. Guys, you're looking for these things in the wrong place. And God is telling you, 
I will reward the humble with riches, honor, and life. And I said, oh wow, ganun lang pala yun, Lord. And here we are, going around the place with like our heads cut off, not knowing what to do. When in fact, God is so simple. America, humble yourself. I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. I will be attentive to you. And you know what my promise is to you? Riches, honor, and life. There's no ifs and buts there, guys. You know, I see, I'm beginning to see the heart of God. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel here. I'm seeing the heart of God. Because if God, if you follow what God wants, He will give what you want. Because He knows you will not go awry because you're humble. A humble person will always put God first. And he will think of, oh, am I going to abuse or not? No, I'm, no, no, Lord, your will, not my will be done. You see? And, and I said, wow, God, if we can only do this. How does one become actually humble then? This is the beginning of my message, okay? That was the intro. Mm. How does one cultivate humility, so to speak? How does one cultivate humility, so to speak? First, be a believer of Christ. You will never be humble and become Christ-like unless you are a believer of Christ. If you are here today, you have been coming to church over and over again, and you believe that you're a believer of Christ, then confirm it. A believer of Christ knows that he's the only one who can save you because your sins, just one sin, will send you to hell. And he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That is your first step. And I know in CCF, those of you who are here, you know, I know you believe Christ. And I think the first requirement is satisfied. What is the second requirement? The second requirement is this. Be a follower. Be a disciple of Christ. You may be a believer, but you've stopped there. You stopped growing and you've stopped following. And a follower and a disciple of Christ is what it takes to start cultivating humility and Christ-likeness in your life. Why? Because a follower of Christ will be Christ-like. If you follow the master, you will become like the master. If the master is humble, then you will be humble. But if you're just a believer and they say, yeah, I believe, I want to go to heaven. But do this, do this. No, 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 no. I just want to go to heaven. I'm not sure that you are going to be the kind of Christian humble that you want to be. So, again, what do we do to bring healing upon sick America. Break free from the curse of consequences of idolatry. Let us make America really free to rest upon God's presence, favor, and blessing. Guys, let us make America humble. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Obey the Great Commission. Make disciples. Disciples are followers of Christ. Followers of Christ are like their master, humble and obedient. That's why CCF, we're about discipleship. Here is the way we define discipleship in CCF. And if you really want to become part of the movement, please memorize this. Discipleship is a process of bringing people to Christ believer, building them up to grow in the faith towards Christ-likeness, disciple, for the purpose of spiritual multiplication resulting in the glory of God. 
It's very simple. If you and I are going to be making disciples, this is our objective. We will help the believer grow towards Christ-likeness. And Christ-likeness is humility. Believe me, you cannot teach someone to become humble unless you yourself are humble. Hoy, be humble, ah! doesn't work. Discipleship is in the Great Commission. That's why we have this at the back, staring at us every day. No, every Sunday pala. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, you might ask, Pastor, where is Christ-likeness there? The Great Commission does not show any Christ-likeness word or humility there. Well, it is tucked in there, implied, because you cannot make disciples unless you make a person become a follower of Christ. Right? So if you're going to make followers of Christ, you necessarily have to make that follower become like Christ. You understand what I'm saying? So, Discipleship is about making people become Christ after they become a believer. How do you do that? This is where my passion comes in. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Discipleship. And yet, Pastor, how come so few still make disciples? I ask many Christians, how many Christians do you know today going in your churches who are making disciples? lang, <laughs> Pastor. You, are you making disciples? <laughs> Not yet ready, Pastor. You know, I'm puzzled. If this is the formula upon which God anchored the healing, the salvation of nations, how come so few are making disciples? But pastor, we're making disciples already. We have a Bible study group and we have been making, we've been meeting for 20 years and, and for 20 years we've been meeting and we're Bible studying, okay? But you see, are you teaching them to obey all is the key. You know, one and a half years ago, I realized I wasn't making disciples. I share this with you already. And I'm going to repeat this again at the expense of really making myself like a fool. As a pastor, I, re I realized that I wasn't making disciples because I don't have anyone that I am teaching everything to obey. You know, I teach the Bible. I, 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 I do GLC. I do Biblical Foundation. I do a D group. But at the end of the day, I ask myself, am I intentional in teaching this person to obey everything? And how do, besides, how do I know if he's obeying everything if I don't ask? Right? Are you obeying everything, sir, that Christ has commanded you? You might say, mm, yeah. But if I ask your wife, maybe your wife will tell a different story, right? I discovered it clicked. It clicked. Teaching someone to obey all it goes deeper. You know? And just last Friday, I was talking to a couple. They've been a Christian for a long time. And I explained what discipleship is all about. And I said, you know, are you making disciples? Yeah, I believe so. Are you teaching someone to obey all? Oh. 
Oh yeah, we are the good. No, no, no. I mean, are you teaching someone to obey everything? Oh, you know. Then I explained what teaching them to obey everything means. And you know, at the end of the session, this couple said, "Finally, Pastor, thank you. We've been Christians for the longest time, but we never saw discipleship in that light ever." And at the end of the session, I told the husband to do something. And they were so grateful for what happened because their eyes were open. And I'm going to continue with that direction right now because I'm going to pretend that you are that couple that I, am, I talked to last Friday and I want you to see what they saw so that you can begin to be excited about your Christian life. You know why people are not making disciples? Because they don't see what's in it for them. They don't see the value of God's presence. They don't see the value of Jesus being with you always. I ask them, if Jesus is with you always, can He take care of your problems? Oh, yeah. Can He take care of your children? Oh, yeah. Can He take care of your business? Oh, yeah. Why, how come he's not fixing it? Oh. Then maybe you think he's there, but he's not there always. Ah, what is the key? Guys, make disciples. Wow. Really? Yeah. But pastor, I don't have anyone to disciple. That's always the question that comes up. Right, June? Right, George? So, to bring rest and true freedom to America again, what am I saying? Let's commit to teaching them to obey all intentional discipleship. Right? We will explain this to you. I know it's not so clear at this point, but we're here. If you are interested to what that means, come and see us and we will explain it to you and we will even use you. Make disciples at home is what I told the person. You know, I told the husband, husband, don't tell me that you don't have anyone to disciple. Your wife. The husband goes, oh, disciple your wife. Have you ever thought of discipling your wife, sir? See, you've been Christians for a long time. But discipleship begins at home. Who's the leader at home? Guys, you are. You are. <laughs> Alvin, you are. And you know, please don't say, Oh, the church is taking care of them. Don't say, oh, the pastor is taking care of them. No, please believe me. When this husband realized, the wife was looking, and the husband was looking and said, I will disciple you. You know, more often than not, the women are very happy. Because for a long time, the husbands, I can see women going like this now. Really, honestly, look at Maribig. You know, because honestly, women would like to see the leaders at home stand up, step up. And the first step to do that is to commit to make your family humble, Christ-like. And believe me, you cannot be Christ-like unless you start with yourself. And you will only start with yourself if you commit to tell your wife, I'm going to disciple you whether you like it or not, or else. Okay? No, you don't do that. You know, I left uh, four weeks ago, and I'm back. And for as long as I'm here, 
I'm going to make myself available to teach men who would like to step up to, hum to disciple their wives and for the wives to really start giving them, giving your husband a chance to, to disciple uh, you. There is a formula, there is an approach, and it's not easy, it's impossible, but we all have to begin there, don't you think so? And you know, this husband who said last Friday, Pastor, thank you, I understand now. And I asked him, are you going to disciple your wife? Yes. That was all I needed to hear. And he will experience so many things that he has never experienced before. But make disciples at home. The first basic step is to humble yourself. To be blessed with riches, honor, and life. Guys, God will not leave you hanging. He will reward you. If you're going to disciple your, 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 your wife and then your family, believe me, he will give you life, riches, and honor. Because he promised that. He will give that to the humble. But you cannot humble. You cannot make your wife humble unless you yourself are humble. Okay? Can you imagine Mike telling you, Paula, Paula, be humble, huh? No, 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 no. The way Mike will become humble, he said, Honey, I blew it. I want to start right. I may not be perfect, but I want to start right. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me for the times that I have really blew it. But this is going to be different. I have a bigger view of my life right now. Enough is enough. I saw, I heard the message. I want to help bring change in this nation. But this change will only happen first in this family. And this family will start making disciples, starting with me as I disciple you. Paula, would you like Mike to do that? See, I've asked all women, and women say, yes, 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 yes. But men, where are you? Listen, please, please stand up and recognize what you need to do. Disciple your wife. What do we do to bring healing upon sick America? Break free from the curse and consequences of idolatry, pride, and everything. Let us make America really free to rest upon God's favor and blessing. Heed God's solution. Husband, disciple your wife. And this is the beginning of living free. Honestly free from the bondage of sin. And we can make America healed and healthy again. Let's pray. Father, thank you. First of all, Lord, we just want to appreciate you for bringing us to this nation. We are so blessed, God. Unlike so many other people in the other parts of this world, we are so grateful for you directing us to become part of this great nation. But Lord, at the same time, this great nation is ailing, sick, not really free. Lord, we ask that you forgive the sins of this nation and and don't be don't judge us Lord until we can do something about it I know Lord it's spiraling moral decline and depravity and everything looks bleak and dark Lord open the eyes of the people here to see that not just the goodness around us the blessings of America around us but help us see the spiritual decay happening and Lord, make us part of a mission to change this nation. As small as we are, as petty as we are, Lord, use us.
And I pray, Lord, that you start this movement in CCF Los Angeles, in the members of CCF Los Angeles, in the homes of CCF Los Angeles, and more importantly, Lord, among the husbands and the fathers here of Los Angeles. And I also pray for the single people, the single men. I pray that as they are listening to this message, Lord, they will see their future, that they will not make the same mistakes as we have made of being complacent and not really doing what you want us to do from the very beginning. But to the husbands who are willing to step up, I pray, O oh God, that as they obey you, as they disciple their wives in humility and dependence upon your spirit, Lord, would you bless them with riches, honor, and life, and let this overflow so that this nation will change. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray.